Hey there, lady. My name is Molly Conley, and I'm devoted to helping women reinvent their love lives. Whether that's after divorce, dating on and off the apps, or in their committed relationship. Why? Because I've been there. I'm a former college athlete who filed for divorce three years into marriage, swam in the online dating pool into my late 30s, and now I'm married to the man of my spreadsheet dreams who I met four months before the world shut down. As a dating and relationship coach, I help my clients build a foundation filled with clarity, connection, and confidence, knowing Mr. Right is worth waiting for. Each week on the podcast, I'll bring you love life insights and savvy guests where you will receive the courage to release programmed limiting beliefs, discover patterns and behaviors restricting you from finding and attracting quality men and ways to choose yourself first so you can build a foundation for a healthy relationship with yourself and a partner. Hey there, lady. Thanks for joining me for another episode on the Reinventing the Arena podcast. Today, Brad is here for our first couch conversation of the year. Hello. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know that was my cue. (laughs) My bad. During our last couch conversation, we were, we were discussing men doing the inner work, and we casually mentioned some books that we were reading that impacted not only our self-development, but our relationships. And both of us started rereading um, these books so that we can share the areas that had a true impact on us as individuals and as a couple. And so we're going to start with Brad's book. And that is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Brad, can you give a summary um, of what the book is about before we get started? Yeah. So just by the title, I think some people might think it's about learning not to care what people think. And and that's not really what it's about. Um, It's not about not caring what people think or not giving a fuck about anything. It's about learning to give fucks about the right things and the important things. The book helps you think a little bit more clearly about what you're choosing to find important in life and what you're choosing to find unimportant. So it helps you do those things. When you're thinking about your own self-development, where were you when you decided to buy this book? So, you know, we, we touched on a little bit when we talked about doing the inner work. I was probably about between three and four, closer to four years, probably after my divorce and uh, dating on the apps just kind of once in a while, you know, casually, you know, to use your language, maybe I mean, definitely wasn't dating with intention. <laughs> um, you know, and I actually, I think I said this on, on the last episode is that I was actually hoping like, well, I hope I don't meet somebody worthwhile or somebody that I could, you know, be with long-term because I'm not ready. Cause deep, you know, in the back of my mind, not even in the back of my mind, I was just like, I know there's still work. I need to do, I want to do before I meet somebody that I, you know, for a long-term relationship. So I was kind of hoping that wouldn't happen. So at some point I just said, I think it was about, you know, four years after my divorce, I just finally said, okay, I need to start doing something, you know, self-improvement wise, you know, cause I, I just knew that there were some things I wanted to work on. So when you think about that, so we met in 2019, like what yeah. year was that? I think it was probably 2018 okay. around that time. I could, I think I could look it up on Amazon when I bought the book, but it was, it was, you know, I think probably within a year of, of when I met you. Oh, okay. Well, then that's, that's pretty Because I still had it out on the table, like you noted. Yeah. Well, you had it on your profile, which is part of the reason yes. I was like. Okay, that's right. Yes. I was, I had just read it. So it was probably 2019 when I was oh, reading it still. You're like, I need to work on myself. And then you yeah. met me. 
because <laughs> you said that you wanted to make sure that you were doing the like work. So. Well, I started, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what made you inter interested in reading this book specifically? Because it was also on my reading list, so yeah. this was why. And I haven't read it yet, obviously. So I was, I was actually thinking about this. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure with something like, okay, I got on the internet and Googled self-help books and just started reading. Self, not self-help, maybe self-improvement. I don't know. Just looking, just looking out there online, and then like reading reviews, and I think that it was a really popular book. To be at, honest, probably at, a time. at that time, yeah, that's probably why it popped up. Or I got on Amazon and searched the category, and I'm sure that popped up. So I said, okay, what's this? And I'm sure I read reviews of it um, that talk, that talked about what it was really about and how it helped them. So I'm I'm pretty sure by reading reviews of it, I, I kind of got the idea of, of what it was supposed to do and people's reaction to it. Okay. So because I think I bought that one, and and you are a badass by Jensen Sarrow at the same time. I think. Yeah, Jensen um, Sarah. She's Amazon, a really so. great author. I yeah. have like two of her books. So um go so, ahead. What were you gonna So yeah, say? no, I, I just think I think I remember, you know, looking at what other people had to say about it and thinking, okay, they, these things, this is definitely something I'd be interested in and it'd be an interesting place to start. Okay. And that's what I bought. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating to think about that you had to you already had intention of wanting to work on yourself, knowing that if you wanted to meet someone long-term, you knew you had to work on yourself. Yeah. Can I backtrack us just a little bit? And I know this wasn't like a question I really prepared to ask you, but this is part of the, you know, interviewing you type yeah. of process for this book. So what really made you aware that you needed to work on something was it the divorce? Like, I feel like because I've gone through a divorce, it's like, oh, at the time I was really not paying attention to what I needed to work on. I was like all outwardly like, it's on him. It's not me. And then I was like that for quite some time before mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit, it's me. Um, that I needed to work on my stuff in order to have a great relationship. But for you, let's even think back. When did you get your divorce before you got the book? So I got a divorce in 2014. And I think, and I alluded to this too, is that I, I read a book toward the end of that, toward the end of the marriage called mm, Boundaries. Yeah. And I had a lot of aha moments. And I think that just kind of made me realize there's probably a lot of other things I'd have aha moments about if I bothered to read about them. And, and I realized, you know, this isn't, you know, there was things that I, I still could have done better in the marriage, not that that would have mattered. But I, I right. realized there was things that, you know, I just probably just needed to learn about being in a relationship that I, or, or things that I'd started to learn about being in a relationship and realize that, okay, there's, there's some things I could, I still have to learn. and could improve, you know, not that that would have saved anything or, you know, prevented anything in, in that case, but I realized, okay, I think I can work on things before the next one. So certain other things don't happen in, in the next relationship. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's definitely sense. room, it, you know, while it may not have been, you know, savable or whatever, there was definitely room for improvement. Well, like, and that, that brings up a really good point too. It's like, there's a reason why self-development and self-help books are so popular is because you can have a growth mindset and just continuously want to improve in multiple areas of your life. Yeah. And I mean, that's why like people go on diets. That's why people get like ready for a new year's resolution and just say, I want to do this or I want to do that. Or you could always save more money or you could always pay off debt, a variety of things, gain new skills in your career. And so personal development makes so much sense of like, okay, the last serious relationship that I was in wasn't so great. How can I do better in the next one? Right. And having that awareness is huge so that you can then do this with intention, which, you know, ladies, I talk about how to date with intention, you kind of have to have that clarity. Well, in order to have clarity, you have to have awareness. And so when you have the clarity, 
going with what you want to have in a relationship allows you to date intentionally and then hold yourself accountable. So when you were looking at this book for the second time, because it's like when we read a book, to be brutally honest, for most of us, when we read a self-development book, for me, I can, there's lining, I'm highlighting things, I'm making notes, but very few and which ones I want to read, like go through this year. Um, those were the ones that made a big impact on me, but at the same time, like you still have to take the action. So when you started reading through this book again for the second time, what areas do you think had the most impact on you and your relationship with yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, to your point, like I'm not a person who underlines, highlights books, you know, I kind of go through it and sometimes there's, you know, it takes a long time or, you know, there's big gaps between when I read chapters or whatever. And yeah. I, don't, I don't sit down and read a cover to cover. I mean, admittedly, I do tend to to read through a book and then, you know, two weeks later, I might not be able to tell you well, what you it's all about. Well, you read through things so fast. Yeah, I tend to read too fast. And I, you know, I think sometimes I don't, don't absorb it all. I, I know when I read this book the first time, there was definitely, you know, a ton of aha moments yeah. uh, as I was reading. Uh, but it wasn't something that I, you know, made notes about or, or highlighted. Um, but that when you talked about doing this um, podcast about the books, you know, and when I chose this book, you know, I did go back and re and reread the whole thing, and I did I did it with a pen, and I definitely, you know, um, underlined a lot of you know highlights, and, and then wrote those all down and kind of you know meditated on those, and and there was a lot in there, you know, going back, uh, I ended up underlining quite a bit. Uh, of things, just, you know, quotes to pull out. Yeah. And you know, it's really great, ladies. I I didn't mention this earlier, but we're actually gonna make this a two part series with Brad, because we're going so much of this book can be discussed. And it's so important. Like, and I feel like most of the books that we're going to be discussing can be a two part. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, the real depth here of like how this changed you or as a person. Um, to really show the inner work of like how a book can really drastically change your life um, and see those areas of growth. And then we're going to do another one. We're going to do a part two where how did Brad use this for his relationships? So since you just finished reading it right before you met me, now I'm really curious to <laughs> see how this impacted our relationship. So like I meant, said before, like, what do you think were some of the biggest like areas of impact from when you read it the first time to this now? I mean, like, so starting out, you know, chapter one, you know, kind of gives you know, some, some of the highlights basically it says, okay, well, not giving a fuck doesn't mean being indifferent to things. It means being comfortable with being different. Uh, you know, you've got to give fucks about something. So it's more about what do you choose to give a fuck about? Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's basically kind of treats your fucks as currency. Yes. You only have so many fucks to and give. what do you, yes, fucks to give. So what are you spending them on? And why, you know, so it really gets you to focus on, you know, where you're spending your fucks, should you be spending them there? And, <laughs> and if not, you know, where so it's, it's basically focusing on, okay, what's important in your life? What do you want to make important? And what do you want to choose not to be important? Um, like how to just basically how to simplify, you know, that process. Yeah, because not everything in your life can be a priority. And not everything yeah. can be important, because if everything's important, nothing's important. Right. Yeah. If you have, what was it? Three priorities you have none. Yeah. Like Dr. Brene Brown talks about that with value right. setting. Right. Um, you know, another, another lesson, you know, kind of going through here, um, the pain of honest confrontation, um, mm. and everything worthwhile in life is, is kind of gained through some sort of suffering, pain, negative experience, you know, whether that's relationships or whether it's just like, 
you know, working out to meet a physical goal. Yeah. And I mean, like at the same time, it's every, every loss is a gain. Every hypothetical negative aspect we've gone through our lives has turned around to be a lesson. For example, if, <laughs> if I never had my divorce, I would never have found you. If I would never have the courage to choose myself, I would never have found you. If I would never have had the moment to say, I need to work on myself, our relationship would not have worked. Like we discussed that before. Yeah, when we would have met right. each other the first time you contacted me, we would have never have worked. We were not ready. Right. So right. It, th there are numerous things that in this aspect of what you're talking about, like, no pain, no gain in a sense. Right, right. And kind of related to that, you know, he talks about, um, he tells the story of Buddha, which I won't get into, but one of his you know, main teachings is that, you know, suffering is inev inevitable. Suffering is part of life. Yeah. Life is suffering, you know, so, you know, pain and loss are inevitable, you know, so we should let go of trying to resist it um, and just stop trying to avoid pain and live the most painless life. It's basically about like choosing your pain. What do you want to struggle for? What pain is worth, you know, choosing? And learning how to sit with the pain. Yeah. Like sit, learning how to sit with discomfort actually helps you build more resiliency and perseverance as an individual. And what I really like about you bringing this up, it's like you said, what is worth suffering for? You know what? A really bad first date is worth suffering for because how many bad first dates did we both have? Not together, obviously, but yeah. like how many bad first dates do we have in order to find each other? How many horrible career decisions did I make in order for me to be like, oh, this is what I want to do? Right. You were lucky that you like in college, you're like, I already know what I want. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're I mean, so lucky. Career. I mean, <laughs> you know, one thing he, another thing he says is, you know, pain in all forms is our body's most effective means of spurring action. So, that, you know, it's not always beneficial to avoid pain and seek pleasure. Sometimes you need the pain in order to learn a lesson or to move on. You know, so again, sitting with the pain, being comfortable with it, you know, he says, don't hope for life without problems. Instead, hope for life full of good problems. Because, mm. um, you know, he believes happiness comes from solving problems. It's a form of action. Like happiness is an action. It's not a state of being. Yeah. It's a constant state of action is what he's saying. Happiness is an activity. It's a work in progress. Um, it's not, you know, a lot of, I think you've talked about this before. It's all that, oh, if I achieve X, then I can be happy. If right. I can look like Y, then I'll be happy. If I can be with this person, then I can be happy. But he's, you know, he says, you know, happiness is not a solvable equation. Um, you know, it's a, just an activity. It's 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 a process. So you want to, you know, choose right. what pain do you want to struggle with in order to solve that happiness problem. Well, and with that, you know, happiness, just like love, just like a lot of things, can be fulfilled internal. And by learning how to sit with all different types of emotions, both what a lot of people want to call negative or positive, like it only takes 90 seconds for an emotion to move on unless there's another emotion or situation that, you know, compounds onto that. So when you think back to a moment for you with your own personal self-development journey, when did you ever go through some of this pain and loss that made you who you are today? Well, I, I, I mean, I think the divorce was a big one. I mean, that's, that's definitely a, everybody kind of has to stop and take stock after that happens or once you realize it's going to happen. And, and that was kind of a, actually kind of goes towards the whole pain thing too, is like, 
putting it off, avoiding thinking about it, avoiding talking about it, mm-hmm. knowing it's probably going to happen down the road, but like really putting it, putting it off, not going through that pain. Yep. Um, so that was kind of a, definitely a lesson in, you know, putting off the pain and then finally getting to a point where, okay, it happened. Now it's, you know, sitting with that pain, getting, getting through that pain in, in the months after. And, you know, you have to have the mindset, well, if, if I don't learn anything from this, then that's, that's not good. I mean, there's gotta be something to be taken away from this. You know, it, it's, it's never a, a place anybody thinks they're going to be or wants to be, or, you know, would be. So, and it's a lot of, okay, now I'm a failure because I'm the only one that's in my family that's ever happened to. And I, I chose this and I made this happen. And, and so it's getting over that or you're not a failure. You know, it, it may have been a failure. You are not a failure. That um, separation. Yeah. Working, working through that. And, and I really appreciate you bringing that up because I feel that when you and I are together and our relationship is on a totally different level because we both have been married and divorced as well as worked on those lessons between our, from the divorce to the relationship that mm-hmm. we had together. And just for some of the women that are listening, whether you're married or you're going through a divorce or you are divorced, or maybe you're a single lady, one of my pet peeves is when people like throw out, oh, well, if he doesn't do this, I'm going to get divorced or this and that. Mm -hmm. And they've never been through it. It's one of those open threats that people don't realize the pain, the suffering, the whole sense of identity loss that you have to go through and question everything that you have done in the past and how can you move forward? So guilt. I mean, even like I had guilt, over, shame. Yeah. I had guilt over like, Oh my God, you know, we paid all this money for a huge wedding or, you know, a pretty right. big, good size wedding. And it was, you know, a fun party, but it's like, okay, we, it's like, we did all this, we did all that. And then, and, and uh, you know, if you feel you let people down, you know, like your parents right. or your family and, and, right. and things like that. And it, it you lose so, friendships because like, yeah, that's a whole nother dynamic too. Like certain people that became friends with because of couples and it, there's so much to getting divorced mm-hmm. that it's not just the pain of losing a person in a relationship. It's the pain of your past that you have to process and the pain of the future that you envisioned that you don't get to live because you sat in this moment of mm-hmm. avoidance for so long. Like what sucks to hear is like how long you re- probably knew it was over. My relationship, my ex-husband and I, we were only together for three years and I knew it was over a long time. Like to be honest, I probably knew before walking down the aisle, but I did the thing where my dad asked, like my dad literally asked me before we walked down the aisle and said, are you ready to do this? And I said, we already spent the money. That should not have been what popped right. out of my mouth. That should have been a key indicator for my dad or anyone else being like, yeah, this is probably not a good idea. Why are we, why are we doing this? Yeah. So these are things to just be aware of that no matter where you're at in any sort of relationship, there is going to be an ebb and flow of pain and loss in how you process it, no matter what. It could be a little thing. It could be a big thing. But learning how to cope and sit with these difficult emotions in different times is so helpful for you to learn the lessons so that you can gain the next, like and go up the next level in the relationship because that's what yeah. actually for us has been so helpful. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah, to I, add? Because I just completely went on a tangent. No, I mean, I was going to say like, yeah, mine was, I was, you know, nine years, I think totally that, part of that guilt is like, or, you know, even the thinking back like, okay, well, that was nine years of my life or whatever. The my, cost factor. Know, yeah, oh exactly. God, that's that, so that's, Yeah. That's one of the things that prevents you from, from finally 
you know, making that decision in the first place. Whereas, I mean, I I guarantee it was at least two years, two to three years that I knew, you know, that I went through and I knew it was over, but the circumstances weren't right or whatever. We can make any excuse. Yeah. You know, and then it just took, you know, one moment of clarity to say, okay, you know, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, it's over. And then you don't, didn't feel anything in, in that moment, you know, so. But anyway, I mean, yeah, so there's a lot of things that go along with that, just making the decision and, and, and say, okay, now it's time to face the pain, you know, and, and, and get through that and, yeah. you know, figure out a, a different future. So, um, yeah, like, let's even just flash back real quick before we move on. But I can't even imagine what my life would look like if I would have never chosen myself. Like, I would be so miserable, just to be honest. And not like... I know that with where I was and never did the self-development work, I would be miserable. Yeah. I mean, I think I look, I could look back on who I was maybe say in the, in the middle of my first marriage and, and yeah, I, I'd still be, if I had, you know, made some choices and even read a few books or just made, yeah. made some decisions, things would be completely different, you know, for me. And I, I like the fact that, I mean, I like who I am today as compared to back then. And, and the, I, I feel I've evolved a little bit and, Come, probably come pretty far. Reading some books helps, but it's not just reading the books. It's taking little actions, implementing it within your life that, yeah. that help. Reading the self-help books isn't going to do anything if you don't help yourself afterwards. So you need to take action on them. I, I feel like I've been able to, to at least implement a little bit of this, this, the stuff I've read over the years. And even if it's you know slowly over time, it's it's never ending process. Oh, yeah. For um, sure. Like you, you've talked about that. So yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that. Anyway, instead of just you know, continuing to date without intention and stay on the apps and, and making a conscious decision to... Or making excuses. Okay. Like, there's nobody yeah. left in my town like I used to do, so... Yeah. Sure. I, I know I, I said that at the time, too. Or like, okay, well, you know, I'll just have fun for a while. Like, okay, well, now it's been four years and now I'm this age. That was a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And it hasn't been that fun, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And now I'm this age, like, okay, and I'm in a position to like, um, I need to make a change. So, I mean, that's kind of what 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 spurred me on at, at that time and it just have to be pretty coincidental timing that several months later in the same year you know the, we met again and then the pandemic yeah. we didn't meet again we didn't meet i saw you on match again yay so. and then the world came to an end yeah <laughs> and i moved in yeah unique circumstances there very thank okay. thankful for the pandemic in some aspects because they yeah. pushed our relationship along quite nicely it, yeah it did thank it did. you Anyways, keep going. What was, what's, so we've already mentioned quite a few things, pain and loss, um, the happiness, uh, kind of, is it, it's a journey. It's a, it's not a destination. What's something else that you think was really an aha that, you know, you read and then it's kind yeah. of been showing up in your life now. So this, this is, this one, and this is, I mean, definitely ongoing and something you have to remind yourself all the time mm-hmm. is why do I consider you know, X in my life, a success or a failure, you know, how am I choosing? X, Y, Z in your life. Yeah. How am I choosing to measure myself? So, you know, the book says our values determine the nature of our problems and the nature of the problems determines the quality of our lives. How do you look at things? How do you measure success or failure? Why do you call yourself a failure? So what metrics are you choosing? And he gives a story and I want to, I want to roll through it really quick because as soon as he started telling the story in the book, I knew who he was talking about and some people would, some people wouldn't. Okay. Um, Metallica, obviously everybody should know who Metallica is. Okay. First of all, some people don't know who Metallica is. Most influential metal band probably in in the history. You know, they, they had just, they, uh, started out when they're, you know, 1920, um, in San Francisco, they formed and they drove 
they, they hit it big. They're about to get a record deal, drove cross, cross country in a van. First thing they did uh, when they got to New York was fire their guitarist after just driving cross country. He was a severe alcoholic, did drugs, oh. a trip across country. They got to know him a little better and they dropped him. Um, that he cleaned himself up and that drove him to form, you know, uh, another extremely popular metal band called Megadeth. And that person was oh. Dave, Dave Mustaine, the guitarist and singer for Megadeth. But he has always, and he's talked about this, um, in different interviews and even recently, he'd always considered himself a failure because he could never, he said he started Megadeth with the intention of, you know, being better than Metallica. Well, obviously in retrospect, that would have been impossible no matter what he did probably with any band, but he still went on to become one of the most successful metal artists, mm. you know, of all time, but he still considers himself a failure. Now, with what he did, you can pretty much only consider yourself a failure if you compare yourself to, to Metallica. Metallica. So it's, it's, the, it. com- it's the comparison, and that's something that it's basically, you know, comparison is, is a killer of joy. I had problems too in the past of comparing myself to others, whether it's friends or family or whether it had to do with money or possessions or mostly material stuff, which is pretty normal for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And it's, well, I don't have this or I don't have that. It's, it's, it's comparing yourself, comparing yourself. And if you do that, you're never going to be happy. Oh, totally. With, with, with anything. And it, like I said, comparison is, is a killer of joy, not the killer. But it, and, and I didn't make that up. That's been said. Oh, yeah, numerous times. Um, you know, I've heard it's Adam Grant, Bray Brown, those type of people, they, they say that all the time. Those are my amazing um, people. Because as soon as you're doing that, you're talking about, you know, things you lack or things you don't have, and you're not being grateful for what you do have. Or just even living in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because if you don't have it, that means you want to try to get it. That means you're focused on the future. And not in the present. You're agonizing your past or like, oh, right. if this didn't happen, then I would have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I, I mean, used to do that. I mean, the ifs, yeah, that's another, it's, that goes right along with it. It's the whole if scenarios or if I hadn't done this or if I had done that at the time, then I wouldn't be here. It's all those words that I call like the shitty shoulds. I should do this yeah. so that I could do this. Or do I, I need this? And it's like, do you really need it or do you want it? Like yeah. it, there's all these certain words that we can apply and you need to pay it. Like, there we go. You need to. I just did it. Right. Technically, paying attention to what you say to yourself or how you say things or how people say things to you is extremely important on how you're going to enjoy your life and right. your own self-development. Right. That reminds me. I mean... I, I struggle on a daily basis with if statements. I mean, I do. I keep, I, and I try to catch myself and I try to correct myself, but um, I still, that's something I deal with every day. The well, it's if, hard to program. It's programming. Yeah. And to be honest, to even change that, it takes a lot of practice, especially if we've been doing it since we were younger, especially like if our parents, our friends, our siblings do it. Yeah. It, if we're around it, that's just how I mean, it is. Yeah, even to the point where like, oh, I should have got something different for dinner on the menu. I mean, it's, oh, you, I, you know, I, you know, okay, you can, first you, of all, I can get obsessive and this, yeah. Brad and I are those people that, well, I'm not as much anymore because I'm trying not to. I'm trying to be more present in the moment. But we both like usually go and we check out the menu and we become obsessed and we know exactly <laughs> what we want yes. three or four or five days before we go somewhere. And that's, that can sometimes be great and sometimes it ruins the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, look at it that way. But, but yeah. let's let's go back here. There's one thing that I really liked that you were talking about, and I see it real quick with your notes. Um, was talking about values, and or even just the measurement. And a lot of us, especially if you're a single woman and all your friends are married, mm-hmm. and you see them having fun without you, hypothetically, 
They're posting family photos. Everyone's so happy. There's a woman that I follow that's a coach and I really like her. She's got this really great energy, but every single photo she's smiling. And I'm like, that's not possible. You can't have a perma smile on 24 seven. You're human. You have emotions. And the families that I see that are constantly smiling, I don't believe in their happiness. Do you know what well, I mean? It's- I do. Cause I used to think about that too and say, and I just finally came to the conclusion and well, okay, all you're seeing is the happy moments. Cause nobody takes pictures of the shitty moments and then post them on Facebook, and Instagram. Well, let's so that's just why people, here. that's another issue with social media is because you're only seeing the set up fake, well-lit staged, you know, Most to some time. extent for influences and stuff, but like moments of, of people's lives or they're, they're, they're snapping a selfie of them smiling in a great moment in their life or what they're trying to pretend is a great moment in their life. And you don't, nobody takes pictures of the negative stuff. And I, well, and let me, let me go backwards though. We grew up with people not taking any pictures. I also know that influencers now that are like, I'm having a bad moment and I'm going to cry in front of the camera. Guess what? I'm not going to share that shitty moment, oh, but I'm going to talk that. about that's it. That's so annoying. It is annoying to me because it's like, to me, that's more self-absorbed. Look at me sort of moment. Yeah. And most people at the same time can say, oh, well, I can relate to that. Well, cool. We all can. We can all see that because we're experiencing the different moments. But you and I came from a time frame where we didn't, no one would ever put that up. Um, well, no, the, the, I, the whole conclusion about, you know, the, the photos thing is kind of thinking back, like after my divorce, like looking through photo albums or I mean, oh, Facebook, yeah. but like we had photo albums too. thinking like, you know, like, oh, you see all these happy moments, but you have to realize, okay, well, that, that's just showing the, the moments you pose for pictures and smiled and we're having a good time, maybe not all the bad times. So it's, you need to remember that, you know, it's not just all, oh, yeah. you know, just photo, photo moments. When you bring um, that up, I'm going to, so just quick here, when I looked back at my photos, when I was married, I could, you would see a smile on my face. Well, I also had to be like, how drunk was I? Number one, right. <laughs> number two, I would look at what I was wearing. And most of the time I didn't give a fuck about what I was wearing because I was, I did not care enough about myself to be presentable. And so a lot of like right now I'm in comfy clothes because it's kind of cold and I wanted to go out, but I've done my hair. I have makeup on. We went out today before I probably could go weeks without doing my hair. I mean, I would shower and stuff, but I wouldn't curl it. I wouldn't put makeup on. I would barely do anything even to go to work because I just didn't care. I was that depressed in my relationship. I wasn't even taking care of myself. But if I was in photos with friends, they wouldn't even notice because I'm smiling. I'm happy, but I might have a little bit of alcohol in me. Yeah. And looking back at those photos, I'm like, I'm throwing these away because these have nothing, nothing of who I am today. Let's go back to, let's talk about the values thing real quick. What, how we measure ourselves, but how we measure ourselves is also based on our values. And you touched on that briefly. So yeah. the one fun thing I think that maybe we could do sometime this year is figure out what your values are. Because as soon as I figured out what my values were, so many things became clear about how I wanted to pursue my life and how I've integrated those things into our relationship in different areas of having a relationship. Well, I mean, I at least realized that when I'm comparing myself to other people, you know, just based on things or money, I realized soon, I, right away, it's like, okay, well, that, that's not important. That doesn't matter. I'm not going to spend my life chasing other people. So at least having that thought and that realization is, is helpful to keep that kind of comparison. And I think I felt, I felt I'd gotten a lot better with that over, over the last few years. Uh, but it's, it's still hard to do sometimes, you know, but you just got to realize, okay, well, that's not my, my value is not just, just having as much money as that person or, or, or whatever. Um, there's more to it than that. So 
Um, why waste time, you know, comparing yourself um, to others, just live in your situation and make, make the best of it. You know, you can work, doesn't mean you can't improve your situation, but don't strive to do it just because other people around you have it. Right. And I think something that you currently do that is new as since we moved to St. Louis, um, participating in triathlons is a really good example of how you can take that comparison with other people and kind of do a comparison within yourself. So like you compared yourself twice today, we were, we were driving and you were talking about, Oh, well running recently isn't as bad as it was last week. And like, you were doing the good thing of like comparing your past self, just progress, just the progress here. Not, yeah. Saying, Oh, I did a little better. Not saying, Oh, I'm still five minutes away from my goal time or right. whatever. When I have still have 14 weeks to train or yeah, just right. focusing on, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. like, that's the example of like turning that comparison of um, when you're focusing outwardly on other people or other things and turning it inward and being like, okay, how, even if you have a bad day, what lesson can I learn from here to make myself 1% better tomorrow? Right. That's so helpful. If you're having a problem with comparison, try to turn that inward first and see how you can move that along. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really just ask yourself what metrics am I using to say I'm a failure? Like if you all of a sudden feel yourself saying, oh, I, I, I screwed up or I, you know, you could literally call yourself a failure. Um, ask yourself why, you know, really start. If you have an answer, then ask why, then ask why, then ask why until you get to a point you can't ask why anymore and try to really figure out. So what else is there, is there anything else that you want to add to areas that had that aha moment between when you first read to the second time reading through. Yeah, I mean, there's a chapter called You Are Always Choosing. And basically says, you know, we don't always get to choose what happens to us. Usually you don't. uh, But we always control how we interpret what happens to us and how we respond. And it kind of reminded me of something I read a long time ago, too, is like, you, you know, you hear that people say, oh, I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. Well, you always have at minimum two choices, even if one of the choices is do nothing. Or versus do something. You know, you have a choice about how you interpret to be bad happens to you. You can either sit there and stew about it and be mad, be mad at somebody else for screwing you over, be mad at what happened to you as a result, be mad about how you feel mad and stay angry, or you can just move on with your life and get over it. So it's basically sit in it or get over it. There's always those two choices, and sometimes there's more, but there's always those two minimums. So that that always stuck with me too. And I I, kind of come back to that once in a while when I feel like I'm stewing on something I shouldn't be, which is pretty often, you know, so you always have, you always have the choice. Yeah. You always have the choice to move on. So nobody's responsible for your happiness, but you, you know, you always, you always get to choose, you know, you can blame people. You know, he talks about this too. He He talks about the difference between blame and responsibility. Sometimes others are to blame for what happens to you. Like if someone hits, if someone gets, if you get in a car accident, someone hits your car, someone runs a red light, they are to blame for the accident, but you are responsible at how you react, assuming you're okay and not injured. You know, do you react by getting out and punching them? Or do you, you know, do you react by trying to stay calm and realize it was an accident and maybe there were some other circumstances involved? And I think you do that quite a bit. You kind of calm me down. You're always looking for alternative explanations to people's shitty behavior. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Which is, you know, it's it's good and, and bad and, and, and it's a good lesson anyway. So reframing. You keep yeah, you, you keep that in mind a lot is you know, you can't you can't choose what happens to you and maybe some other people are to blame, but you are ultimately responsible for how you react, how you feel about things, how you interpret things, and in the end, you know, creating your own happiness. So yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. So this kind of goes back to um the pain versus gain sort of situation where I mentioned like 
learning how to sit with your emotions, no matter if they're good or bad, because when you are allowed to sit with your emotions and be like, oh, do I want to feel this right now? Right there. That is a choice. You're asking yourself, do I want to keep feeling pain? Do I want to feel self-pity? Do I want to feel shame? Do I want to feel guilt? No. Okay. What's that next choice? What's a different choice that you could be making? And I'm not talking about toxic positivity. I'm not talking about sharing affirmations of I'm a great person. I'm talking about how do you want to process that? How do you want to, you know, I always talk about reflection and journaling because that is one of the easiest ways for you to start um, moving through hard emotions, hard times and difficult situations. But it does build up this kind of emotional resiliency so that you can learn to stop reacting and responding. So pretend you're watching the Super Bowl and, you know, something great happens and they score a touchdown. So it's an instant reaction to be excited and screaming and yelling like, holy cow, you know, celebrating, whatever. But it's the same way when something bad happens, they don't catch the pass, like they miss the field goal. That is reacting. When you have the same situation in a relationship where you, someone says something to you and you yell at them or you blame them for something and you don't even stop to take a breath and process what's going on, that is still a reaction. But processing and taking that breath is, you're making the choice to respond. So you have the choice between reacting or responding. So when you build up this emotional resiliency of sitting with your emotions, you are going to learn how to respond effectively to things that might have triggered you or made you angry in the past and do it from a place where you're like, I know exactly how I want to respond to this. Or, hey, guess what? I don't know what I want to say right now. I don't know my answer to that right now. I'm going to have to come back and talk to you about it later. Or, you've made me so pissed off. I really have to take a time out for myself and I need to go hang out in the bathroom. These are things that are extremely important for yourself to, to work through as well as how that then later on works in, in a relationship. Because like there's times where that's happened with us where I get mad about God knows what. Um, and I would take a time out for myself or like, what was it? There was something that we had a discussion about, gosh, was it this week? where I said something and you interpreted it one way and I interpreted it another and you had to go get ready for work and I was getting making breakfast and we both came into the hallway and we both were like, I'm sorry. And we kind of laughed because we didn't realize, you know, the interpretations and the assumptions that we had kind of like put that moment. That that text message of that person. Yeah, it was about the text message about looking for a place. It was, it's just funny how this will allow you to have a response from that comes from a really good place. You get that choice. No, that's true. I I think that's actually something it made me think of. I, one thing I came away, at least one thing I came away from therapy was about when we'd argue, I got better about not reacting and being able to take even a split second. I found myself being able to calm down in a split second and just talk you know, maybe have the same conversation, use the same words I would have yelled, but mm-hmm. talk them. And just like, I really was able to control a lot better um, just just by being aware of it. And even though I was angry, yeah, not yelling, not like you say, reacting, but just taking a split second to take a breath and then respond. And so like, that's I, that's one thing that changed, I think, you know, after, after therapy uh, during my first marriage is that I was a lot better at controlling that, that anger. Yeah, when, totally. When we would have a conversation or fight or argue or whatever, but in your first marriage, so, yes, because that one of the things that I really like about our marriage is that when people talk about like, oh, in order in mar- in marriages um, or in relationships, you're always going to fight. You're always going to have this, and I'm like, 
my belief is like, that's not true. You should have conflict. You, you don't necessarily have to fight. Because I do believe, and, and the book actually talks about that too. You need, you need healthy, honest conflict. Discussions. Um, discussion, yeah. And we'll get at that. I guess that's more about part two. So I can That will be more about on, part two. But real quick, I want to just say it like as the way we have conversations, they're so productive because we've already learned those lessons. We've yes. learned how to respond to each other where I, I don't even think, and I know because of maybe if I've had a few cocktails, my volume gets really loud. So sometimes it could be that it can be tone um, where some other people might be like, oh, are they fighting? No, like in the past, that would be yes. Yeah. But here, you know, personally, we don't have yelling, screaming matches. We don't have tone problems because the other person will notify the other person like, hey, I don't like the tone. Right. Like we just, we just know how to have a conversation that is going to be productive at some point, even if we don't agree on it, we know how to have a conversation where it's a discussion, not a yelling match and argument, which is why these things that you've brought up are really helpful. Because if you don't work on yourself, you cannot have these type of conversations. And it's also something to pick up in, which we'll talk in part two. This is also stuff to realize in the partner that you're with or wanting to be with, if they can't if they're constantly reactive, they don't know how to respond yet. Are they right. ready to have a relationship at the level that you want? Yeah. Are they constantly worrying about if I, oh, I should have done this or if I would have done that? Are they in the right mindset to have a relationship at the level that you want? Do they always say, oh, God, I just want to once I have this, I know I'll be happy. Once I have this, I will be happy. Are they, that's another stage. Are they in the growth mindset? And knowing that life is going to continue to go and you have to learn to ebb and flow with these different emotions and find happiness along the way. Like, this is also so helpful for your discovery of who you want to be with. So I really appreciate you going through these chapters of the book today. Is there anything else you want to add? Because the next set Mm. is going to be really good, guys. I can't wait to discuss the relationship aspect part of this, even though we obviously trickled some ones into here. Okay. What would you like to leave the listeners today? Like what, what is the biggest takeaway that you want to have them like leave with right now after this podcast? This is our longest podcast ever. This is freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, I love interviewing you like this. (laughs) I think I, I, I like the, the part about, um, you know, don't hope for life without problems. Instead, hope for life full of good problems. And looking at those problems is just a way, you know, to pursue the activity of happiness. Um, you know, choosing choosing your struggle. Um, you know, what, asking yourself, what are you willing to struggle for? You know, what yeah. pain are you willing to go through to to get a result? You know, he talks about wanting the result, but not wanting to go through the process. Like he wanted to be a rock star, but then he realized he didn't want to sit and practice his guitar. So mm. he really, so that means he didn't want it because if you really wanted it, you'd be willing to do the work. And so that really applies generically to anything in life. You know, it's not just like, if you say, if you say, I want this, then you need to ask yourself, okay, do I want what it takes to get that? Yeah. It's 100%. Because, and I'm before we leave, that is such a great takeaway because if you're not willing If you're willing to be on the apps and swipe day in, day out, if you're willing to say, I've had a horrible first dates, I have, there's no men left in my town, that's great. Then pick up and move if that's what you're willing to do. If you're not, if if you keep on having a lot of horrible first dates, who is the person that's going on all these first dates? It's you. 
you are the one who makes the choice. You get to choose if you want to keep having the same experience or you want to have a new experience. And in order to do that, sometimes you have to do the work. Yeah. You have to do the work on yourself. And I don't mean go take freaking new profile pictures and rewrite your profile. I mean, like do the inner work that it takes to have the type of relationship that you're envisioning. Because if I didn't do the work on myself, you, I would never have found you. I would have never had the type of love and desire and, and vision for what we could have together. I would have been with somebody else that would have, honestly, I, there was someone else that I could have dated and it was going to be fucking horrible. By now I would have, we probably would have gotten married and divorced. Just that's the last thing I want to do. I'm not in it to win it, to get a round two divorce. I'm yeah. in it to win it for the long term. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks honey for being here and sharing this and stay tuned for round two ladies. All right. Talk to you in a bit. Can't stop settling? Sign up to receive daily words of wisdom. I call them lady love lessons. They're for ambitious women like yourself who are tired of hearing they're too much or that they're not enough. It'll help give you the tough love and motivation to choose yourself first. All you have to do is go to my website, reinventingthearena.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage to sign up. I'll see you in your inbox. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing the Arena podcast. If you loved this episode or even the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. It helps more ambitious women like yourself find this show and learn how to have a healthy relationship with themselves and a partner they love. Until next time, remember to believe in yourself that you were meant for a better relationship, not only with fully knowing and loving yourself for who you are, but knowing that there's a man out there for you, you're not too picky. You're not too much. You are enough. And the right man knows this too.